Hello and welcome into the Fantasy Sanctuary. It is free agency frenzy. We're here. We're going to give you, give you a rundown of all the important players, all the players you need to know, where they could be ending up before legal tampering opens in a few days. Tom, we're, we're going to start. I feel like this might be a little bit close to the vest. I'm I'm glad I'm not sat next to you as, as we're having this conversation. News has just broken. Lamar Jackson's been tendered with the non-exclusive tag. How are you feeling about that as a Ravens fan? It's just, it's been a long road to get here. Two years ago, they opened up negotiations and Eric DaCosta said that Lamar wasn't really particularly interested in negotiating at the time. And then it's slowly just built to this point where it seems to have leaked out a couple of times this weekend that Lamar's just not engaging with much urgency. And you know that if an agent was there, that they would be doing that and they would be driving that. But Lamar... He moves in different ways and he's a different kind of guy and he clearly wants to do things his way. And I'm at the point now where I would rather he either signed a deal or he was just gone because we're going to have to start cutting players who want to be there to make room for a franchise tag because you've got no wiggle room on it. And I'm glad they went with a non-exclusive route because now it's going to force him to have to go out and try and find his value and try and have to negotiate with multiple teams at once if that's what he wants. And if no teams are willing to do that, then perhaps he'll realise that there aren't teams lining up to hand out bad contract deals like the Browns did. Yeah, I mean, we we had this conversation via text a couple of days ago when when the, the first rumours came about the non-exclusive tag. I do wonder if it's the Ravens basically saying, look, we don't want to be the second team to hand out that fully guaranteed contract. They, you know, there's all the rumors of the owners that basically don't want quarterbacks being able to command fully guaranteed contracts. They don't want it to become the NBA. So I wonder if it's basically the Ravens saying, you know what, we know what Lamar wants. We're happy to pay that, but we don't want to be the team that says yes to that. So exactly. I wonder if they're turning around and going, you know what, Falcons, Jets, whatever it is, you go and sign your. $275 million fully guaranteed contract. And when you sign it, we'll just say, yep, yeah, okay, we'll match it. And then the Ravens keep face. They keep their quarterback. They don't have to go through this continued negotiation, which we've seen drag on. And then they can just put it behind them and move on. Yeah. I think, and you know, it's, it's not a good position to be in for any team. Like, you know, we rarely see quarterbacks get franchised because most of the time, teams either have an idea that their player is not worth that money or they have an idea that their player is worth that money and they get them signed well in advance. And, you know, it couldn't be two more different players than Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been franchise tagged and it's like, okay, but really, is he that much better than what was out there on the free agency market? I'm not too sure. Um, he's on the non-exclusive tag for $32 million as well. And then outside of that, there's no real complete stars. I think Tony Pollard was an interesting one to see him get tagged because now the Cowboys are going to be paying him $10 million this year at the same time as Zeke's contract, which is very bloated, as we know. So, yeah, Josh Jacobs always felt like somebody who was primed to be tagged. And Evan Ingram, it sounds like eventually they'll work things out and get a deal. But, yeah, were you surprised by any of these other tags? I think... The running back and the, the tight end tags were so cheap, it made sense to tag them. I think, you know, running back, I'm all, it sounds bad, but I'm always in favour of teams tagging a running back because the contract's pretty cheap and you, you, you're you basically guaranteeing 
that you're not having to pay him long term. I think that's the worst move you can do as a franchise is pay a running back long term in a big contract. So, yeah, I think it makes sense for both of those. The Daniel Jones one, I I, I can't get my head around. You know, I'd I've been on record saying I'd rather have Tyrod Taylor at five million than Daniel Jones at thirty two. I don't get what the Giants are doing. It feels like they're just going to stick in this mediocrity of never being a true contender, never rebuilding, and it's probably going to cost Brian Dable his job in three years. I think it's it seems a weird move for a franchise that's made plenty of bad decisions over the past few years. Just going back quickly at one point you made there about the, the tags. So for anyone not aware, running backs earn $10 million on the tag this year, tight ends 193 Wide receivers earn 19.7, which is why we're not seeing any of these guys who are going to the market making it. So it really is, you know, if you've got to tag someone, it makes so much more sense to tag a running back or a tight end than any of the wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. I think the franchise tag might get ripped up and and rewritten at the next CBA. It does feel the same with the offensive linemen. The fact that all five positions are the same tag is, is completely ridiculous. But we're going to dive into some quarterbacks now. It, it's perhaps not the, the the most appealing group. Obviously, Derek Carr, we've seen sign with the, the Saints, which has pulled him out. It looks like a bunch of basically bridge quarterbacks. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Jimmy G. Do you think that he could be the bell of the ball? Someone's going to pay him that $35 million range that we've seen go to Derek Carr and, and Gina Smith over the last few days? I think the trouble for Jimmy G is that he's never managed to play a full season. Like he looked good at times. Like last year we saw him looking good and it's kind of like, even then he didn't manage to play a full season. He's, you know, he's averaged 10 games a year whilst he's been in San Francisco. His last four fantasy finishes, if we're talking purely for fantasy, you're looking at 20, 42, 18 and 19, like we've got on the screen there. And that was when he was surrounded by some real elite talent. You know, you had Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and then CMC. And it's there's always been good talent there. But because the system has been so efficient, Jimmy G's never had needed to have those 25-point fantasy days. So for fantasy purposes, there isn't a single landing spot where he could go to where I'd be interested in him in anything more than a QB3 in Superflex or best ball. I think in terms of landing spot, I can see a team like the Texans bringing him in simply because we've got the 49ers ties with D'Amico Ryan and then Bobby Slowick, who's their offensive coordinator, who'd been at the Niners as well. And if they're bringing in a quarterback who they feel like needs a little time to sit with a veteran, then Jimmy G is probably the perfect kind of guy to sit and be around in that quarterback room. But yeah, I mean, is there any way you could see him landing where you think he'd improve in value? Not really. I think he's a difficult one because he's valued like a QB3. And I think that's completely fair because I think that's what he is. I worry that he is probably going to get paid like a starting quarterback. And I think you're talking there about if he goes to the Texans and becomes a bridge, then, then yeah, then, that you know, there might be some interesting landing spots, whether it be, you know, potentially the Raiders or the the Panthers or somewhere like that where he could be a bridge quarterback to a rookie that's coming in but if he's a bridge quarterback I don't want him for fantasy because chances are a team that's drafted a quarterback in the top 10 they're going to start by the midpoint of the season and that point Jimmy G is massively overvalued if he signs a 
you know, 30, 35 million dollar a year contract, then yeah, I'd probably be interested as a QB3. But outside of that, if he signs as a bridge, I'm probably out. Are there any of these other guys, Tom, that you think could be interested? I think the major- the majority of the rest are probably now in that backup bridge quarterback category for the rest of their careers. Are there yeah. any that you think could have value for fantasy? No, and I think that virtually all of these are traps. I think people are going to talk themselves into, oh, Baker Mayfield had that great game for the Rams where they came back and won it on the last throw of a drive. So what? You had career lows in PFF passer rating and completions over expected, along with like EPA per play. He wasn't good on any level. Yeah, like two fantasy performances over 14 points last year. Baker Mayfield just, he's not a good quarterback. I do not care where he lands, and he's not going to land in. You know, we saw him behind an elite offensive line in Cleveland and he still made mistakes. Like, I think it's uh, the Athletic Football Podcast have a great saying where we talk about nobody steps into an interception like Baker Mayfield. He throws them with such confidence. Uh, Carson Wentz, I think, you know, he's still got that name brand. You know, we're talking about a guy who went top two in the draft, but he's looking for his fourth consecutive team in four years. He's been in the league for seven years now. And in points per game, he's finished 22nd, 17th and 25th over the last three years. In terms of a fantasy quarterback, Carson Wentz just isn't there. Like he seems to be aware that he can make a lot of mistakes. He tries to play safe at times, but then he just ends up dink and dunking with that's to Naeem Hines in Indy or whether it's to Curtis Samuel in Washington. He's just not a very accurate quarterback and he's not a very good quarterback. I think in Superflex, you can probably talk yourself into a little bit of Sam Darnold value if the Panthers don't get the right quarterback and they need to sit somebody and then they bring Sam Darnold back because those rumours are floating about. The one player who I would have the most interest in would be Jacoby Brissett. He had a really solid season last year and you could make the argument that if the Browns had stayed with him, they could have been in the playoff hunt for a lot longer. Again, he's the kind of player who... Maybe the Texans look at somebody like him or the Niners look at him and go, okay, we've got so much uncertainty at quarterback. Jacoby Brissett would be quite a good safety blanket to have. Yeah, I think I I like all of the other eight names you've got there other than Jimmy G if they're free. I think I'm not spending any capital or any kind of valued pick, whether it be best ball or whatever, to go and get them. But if they're free... I'd quite happily take them on my rosters. <laughs> Whilst you're here, make sure you're giving us a like and a subscribe. Make sure you got the content coming to you. You can hit that little bell button. That'll give you a little notification whenever a new video is dropped. Diving across to the running back position, there's a couple of, you know, big heavy names that we're talking about that, you know, Saquon Barkley and things are going to be some superstars. But I think there's some potential under the radar, guys. We're talking about David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, Devin Singletary. They've all flashed at points over the last few years. They've all perhaps been underutilized and undervalued by their teams. Do you think any of those four could find a good landing spot where they could potentially be a lead back and and therefore have value for fantasy? I think like Damian Harris is a tricky one because he had that really nice season in 2021 where he scored 14 touchdowns. But outside of that, you know, we, we've seen that's a bit of an outlier season. Like he's been RB41, RB19, RB46 over the last three years. And that middle number was the one with the 14 touchdowns. But I keep coming back to the idea that the Saints are going to need somebody if Alvin Kamara is suspended for a long time and he's the kind of, he'll be available on probably the right, expense that the Saints can tack on a couple of void years and just deal with it. And he could handle things if Kamara was going to be out for a while. They were rumoured to meet with a lot of running backs at the Combine. And also, I just think 
the Saints last year never really wanted to see to use Alvin Kamara around the goal line. They kept subbing him out down there. Damian Harris is a good goal line back, so I quite like that. Miles Sanders, you know, he bounced back from having zero touchdowns in 2021 to have 11 last year. Had over 1,300 all-purpose yards. He's only 25 years old, so he's younger than Saquon. I, I have visions of him ending up on the Panthers. Donta Foreman, who's on this list, he's a free agent. And there are rumours that he could go back. But Miles Sanders, he didn't cross over Frank Reich in the time in Indy, but he just feels like the perfect kind of established run running back that Frank Reich would love. Yeah, I like it. I think Devin Singletree is one that stands out to me purely because I feel like he is perennially forgotten about in fantasy circles. He was basically a plug and play RB2 for most of last year. Yes, that's on a, you know, elite offense led by Josh Allen. I think he's probably going to find somewhere else in free agency, but I think there's a lot of talent in there that's been untapped and, and people probably are valuing him like he's forgotten about. The last couple of guys I want to talk about before we get into the bigger names. Rashad Penny, I can't quit. I've definitely got a problem. I probably need to talk to someone about it, but <laughs> I can't get past in my head. All I can picture is him in Kansas City. And yeah, it's probably never going to happen, but I'm just dreaming about it. All my Rashad Penny shares are just, just hold, holding out hope that that's something like that happens. And then the final guy, Jeff Wilson, look, the the only running back under contract in Miami next year is Salvin Ahmed. I think there's a chance that Jeff Wilson comes back. You know, they traded for him mid-season. He did a really good job. If he's back as a, you know, a 1A, 1B back in Miami, he's going to be a screaming value that outproduces what you can acquire him for right now. So, yeah, I, I like him, whether that's dynasty, best ball, potentially even redraft. I, I, I don't hear. I think, uh, I mean, both those Miami guys are on the wrong age of the age spectrum for Dynasty. Like, I think they're 27 and 30. I can't remember which way around it is. I think most it's 30 years old and Wilson's yeah. 27. And yeah, they're kind of guys who seem to get banged up a lot, but we saw it work for them there. I think I just, in my mind, I've kind of penciled in some of these running backs who are free agents, like, uh, say, take Saquon Barkley and put him in Miami if he <laughs> ends up on the free agent market. But Kareem Hunt, somebody's name, who Matthew Perry reported this week that a lot of people are connecting him, him with Denver. He's going to be 28 when the season starts. And I think, you know, if Giovanni Williams is going to miss a lot of time, then you can talk yourself into a value. But it's really... He's really kind of tailed off over the last few years for me. Over the first three years of his career, he had 4.8 missed tackles forced per game. Last year, he had 1.9. His receiving grade's been declining over the last few years. So it's like, it really hasn't been as spectacular as it was when he was in Kansas City and when he first moved to Cleveland. So I'm a little bit wary of that. I guess, depending on the cost, I'll be in on it, uh, particularly if Giovanni Williams is going to miss an extended period of time. Yeah, no, I, I quite like that if that did happen in terms of a landing spot and a, a, a matching of homes. Jamal Williams, a player that had a mind-blowing season last year, incredible efficiency in short yardage and goal line situations, 17 touchdowns, RB12 on the season, is a free agent this year. Do you think he's back in Detroit? Do you think he ends up somewhere else? Do you think he's a good value for fantasy? I think the Lions are kind of keeping their options open at the minute. We're seeing them be connected with like Bijan Robinson in 
mock drafts at the minute. And that kind of stuff makes sense because they definitely don't seem entirely sold on DeAndre Swift. So I guess it's very much tied to what we're going to do with the position as a whole. But I'd like to see him back there. I don't think he is anywhere near the kind of value that he did last year. I mean, he scored something like he's had 36 career touchdowns and he scored 17 of them last year. So (laughs) this isn't a guy who's had a nose for the end zone throughout his career. And yeah, 44% of his total fantasy points last year came from touchdowns. So it just feels like if he's back in Detroit, we know how they're going to use him. We know that it's a match which works well. And unless they bring in Bijan Robinson, if it's just DeAndre Swift who's there competing with Jamal Williams, I'll be completely fine at cost taking him next year. So we've teased him a little bit. We're going to talk about the big name. Saquon Barkley, we were expecting him to be a free agent. However, breaking news live whilst we were recording, the Giants have signed Daniel Jones to a four-year contract and are going to tag Saquon Barkley. So Saquon Barkley is now back in New York. We'll start there, Tom. What do you think that makes for him? Dynasty potential, best ball heading into next year, back with Brian David and Daniel Jones on centre. I don't think we're going to see his price particularly increase anymore. I think, you know, there weren't very many situations he could have gone to where he would have really rocketed. I mean, perhaps outside of landing somewhere like Kansas City, where people would have talked themselves into a fever pitch on it. But yeah, staying in New York, staying with Daniel Jones, staying in the same offense. We know what this looks like. We know that Daniel Jones is going to be able to give enough receptions to Saquon Barkley, but he's going to stay relevant there. We know that they're probably not going to bring in too much competition for Saquon behind him. And it sounds like they really want to work out a long-term deal for Saquon as well. They've been trying to get there, but then they used the tag at the last minute after signing Daniel Jones to a deal. So I'd be completely all in on Saquon, I think, in terms of dynasty. Yeah, he's 26 years old and he's had those injuries. But the way he bounced back this year, having career highs in rush attempts, uh, touches per game, 10-yard runs along with missed tackles forced per game, those are all really good indicators that he's still got plenty left in the tank. Yeah, so let's let's now move to Daniel Jones. Fairly big deal, supposedly four years, 160 million with an extra 35 million in incentives that he could earn. So... We're looking at a $40 million average a year, but potentially up beyond $50 million a year. That's an awful lot of money to pay. Do you think that Daniel Jones is somebody that you you like for fantasy this season? Do you think it's it's potentially now a, a value? I think you have to pencil him in as a QB1 for fantasy this season. In best ball, I think now we're talking about that kind of round eight, round nine range. And... A big part of this will be decided upon with what they do around him because we saw it last year. Daniel Jones was a good fantasy quarterback with the likes of Richie James, with Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton and Daniel Bellinger. And it was incredibly difficult for him to be fantasy relevant and he did above expectations. But if they could add two above average pass catchers, which I'd like to imagine they can, (laughs) then I think, yeah, you can pencil... Daniel Jones in as a fringe QB1 uh, in Superflex. If he's your QB2, then you set up very nicely. And I, I don't have too many worries. How, how do you feel about him on this one? I know you've talked about that if they signed him long-term, he would go up slightly in your rankings. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, I'd, I'd sort of talked about it a couple of times that if if he signed a long-term deal, 
he'd jump ahead of Tua. So he, he'd be my QB12. I've, I've literally just made that move as we've been talking in terms of my ranks. So yeah, he, he's now my dynasty QB12 ahead of Tua, ahead of guys like Kirk Cousins, Kenny Pickett. I think he's now in that range where he's probably worth just short of two random future firsts. So I'd probably pitch him around you know, a good 20, a 24 first and a 24 second. That's probably about his value. I think, yeah, I, I don't love it from an NFL perspective for the Giants because I think it's it's a lot of money to pay for average quarterback play. But from a fantasy perspective, we've seen the rushing floor. As you've said, you've seen him produce with, you know, blokes pulled off the street at wide receiver. If they can hopefully get some healthy performance from Wondell Robinson, invest in that receiver core, it's only going to improve because we know that he's going to have that rushing floor. So jumping across to wide receivers, Tom, it's not exactly a sexy, sexy group of players here right now. Um, let's let's start at the top there. We, we've got Odell Beckham, obviously didn't play at all last year. We've seen incredible highs, you know, the greatest first three years of a career at the wide receiver position from from any player ever. Um, is he a player that you've got some interest in expecting him to sign somewhere? I think we can expect him to sign somewhere, but I think he's going to be very choosy about where he signs. And I think he's going to want to be on a competitive team that has real deep, you know, Super Bowl aspirations. And the trouble with that typically is those kind of teams have good options at wide receiver and they have good options at tight end and they have good options at running back. So, it's going to be very hard for Odell Beckham to have the kind of fantasy value that we might dream of. But if you can pencil him in as, you know, a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four, I mean, he's probably been sat in your dynasty roster for a long time. He's been taking up space and he's not been doing anything. In best ball, his value is going to be quite depressed unless he signs with the likes of the Chiefs. There were some links with him there last year when he was kind of making his way back and, yeah, I think he's somebody more that I can see myself playing in DFS this year or perhaps stacking in best ball occasionally. But it's just pretty hard to get excited about Odell Beckham when he's had two previous ACL injuries. Yeah, I think I, I quite like him, but probably more in best ball because I don't think he's going to find a role where he's going to be able to cons- command consistent volume. I think we've seen that he can be you know a, a touchdown anytime he touches the ball, and I think he's going to have some boom weeks. But I just don't think we can rely on him week in, week out to be a fantasy star. So, yeah, best best ball I'll probably have a few shares of. Some other names there. I mean, Juju's at the bottom. Bit of an up and down year. Showed some real flashes with the Chiefs. Do you think he'll be back with the Chiefs next year or do you think he will test free agency? It's going to be the third year in a row that he's probably ended up with free agency. And, you know, the last two years he's taken one-year prove-it deals after failing to kind of get the long-term deal he wanted. And with the Chiefs, I think he's hit pretty much all of his incentives. And it does feel like there could be a role for him there. I mean, you know, that slot receiver role, he did make it his own, and there were times where he was the only piece of the offense you could count on outside of Travis Kelsey. But he had 10 weeks last year where he had five or fewer receptions, and for a slot receiver, really, we're wanting like more than that to really, because a lot of the time you're catching the ball in traffic and it's difficult to add huge amounts of yards after the catch, unless you're somebody like Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson. And five or fewer receptions a week isn't really going to do it. I think 
somewhere like that, or you could go to somewhere like like the Saints. You know, last year they had Jarvis Landry, who's now a free agent himself, and they were kind of crying out for that presence of somebody who could be nearer to the line of scrimmage. And Derek Carr, we saw him throw into Hunter Renfro in the slot a lot. We saw Devontae Adams playing from the slot at times. So, yeah, perhaps that would be a match which would work quite nicely. Yeah, I just have no idea how the Saints are going to be able to afford to, you know, they're, they're 25 million over the cap. They've got to fit Derek Carr in. Let's go and spend more money on a receiver. Um, Alan Lazard's another guy that I think is going to get paid this offseason. Um, I think that his markets, his num- the numbers are probably going to be surprising. Is he a player that you think could have some interesting dynasty value, whether he's, he's not really a boom-bust type that, you'd like in best ball or or do you think he's a player that because of his potentially depressed value could interest you? So last year was the first year in his career where he had more than 60 targets in a season and he just didn't excel with it. It wasn't like, okay, Alan Lazard's finally got the targets. Alan Lazard is lighting things on fire. It was just Alan Lazard did slightly more Alan Lazard things, which is like, you know, occasionally he'll get a touchdown, occasionally he'll get a long reception, but a lot of the time Alan Lazard will catch the ball, pick up a few yards, nothing impressive, nothing too bad. And that's kind of it. I think, you know, the teams who are being connected with him, the Chiefs and the Ravens are teams which are crying out for that kind of just steady receiver who will catch the ball and do okay things and is okay in the run block game. So, He's fine, but he's not somebody I'd be aggressively pursuing anywhere. And then let's let's round this out, Tom. I'm going to do this rapid fire, okay? Robert Woods, DJ Chark, Darius Slayton, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, Paris Campbell, Michael Hardman, Richie James, Nelson Aguilar. Roster cloggers, I want none of them. Do you disagree? Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I think the only name still on here that I like is DJ Chark. I think, you know, yes, he's only had one season as a top 15 wide receiver and everything else has been quite a bit worse than that. But I think you can, there's some value in high value target players like him who last year he had 48 targets and 15 of them were deep targets. Send him to the Carolina Panthers. They're crying out for a field stretcher. Aside from that, yeah, Paris Campbell, Stayed healthy first time in his career. Didn't really do an awful lot with it. He had a 15% target share on a team who were desperate for pass catches. Richie James looked good in the slot. But it's like, yeah, Richie James is Richie James. And there's just, there's nobody else really there who I would want to see a team give up significant money to. And there's one player there that we've, we've not touched on. We've hinted at, but we've not talked about him. He's the bell of the ball this free agency at the wide receiver position. I think he is going to get paid and everybody is going to be gobsmacked when he gets paid. I think it's going to be north of the Christian Kirk deal. Jacoby Myers, he's never had a top 24 season. He's never had a thousand yards. He's had six wide receiver one weekly finishes in his four-year career. But Tom, is he a player you want expecting him to get paid the big bucks in free agency? I think so. And, you know, obviously the Patriots didn't want to put the tag on him because it's 19 million. And I think what he gets paid is going to be 20 million plus per year of an average value. And it'll be interesting to see the types of teams who go after him, whether that's like somebody like the Bears who've got cap space to burn or not. But, you know, Jacoby Myers, he can play in the slot, he can play on the outside. And he just. This year, he was a victim of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and all the nonsense that was going on in New England. The year before it, when Matt Jones was playing well, 
he didn't seem to get the touchdown. So I think there's definitely a lot to like about Jacoby Myers. He's like, you know, he's an analytic style, every kind of efficiency metric people like him. But you can see on the screen there, last year he was very much a better in best ball type player. You had these kind of spike weeks. And when he wasn't giving you the spike weeks, he was giving you very, very little. So, yeah, I, I can see myself adding him in best ball. He's not somebody I just... If I was doing a dynasty startup draft, I just can't imagine myself ever taking Jacoby Myers when I'm on the clock. I I feel like I'm I don't I don't ever want to admit this, but I feel like I'm a Jacoby Myers truther because I just look at those advanced numbers and I fall in love and I feel like he's perennially undervalued. I'd quite happily go and buy him for a, a mid to late second, which I think you can get him for. Because I think the second he signs that contract in free agency, his value is going to go up. And I think he's the kind of player that you can go and buy now and spin off for a profit in a month's time. See, that's, that's what your dynasty mind in gear there. <laughs> <laughs> so the final position, tight end. There's, there's a couple of interesting names here. We'll start at the top, Mike Kosicki. You're a fan. I can't stand him. I think he should just be classified as a wide receiver because he can't play the tight end position. He's a big slot. Let's stop trying to dress him up as a tight end. Do you um, think that he's going to find a home that's going to command fancy value next year? I mean, I'd just say qualifying me as a fan might be a little bit hard. I think <laughs> <laughs> he's an interesting name. I think because the way that tight ends can be used, I mean, most of us could see it coming last year that it wasn't going to work well for him with Mike McDaniel's system. We knew that he wants tight ends like George Kittle who can block, and that was exactly how it played out. We saw these Dolphins tight ends who do block, like Durham Smythe and names that I can't even remember off the top of my head, were on the field an awful lot of the time. He was tight end 35 because of it, and so it's a bit tricky in some ways, but the three years before that, he was tight in 17, tight in nine and tight in 13. So his value really plummeted. And I, I did pick him up for a couple of lit if like a fourth round pick in one league last year, which feels like, you know, that's only going to increase. But the one spot where I keep coming back to with him is the LA Chargers. You know, you can see they've lost Donald Parham. I think they've lost one of their other tight ends this offseason as well. And we've seen Justin Herbert lean on that position. You know, he really likes to target them in the red zone. Somebody like Kasiki there, if you could get him and he can be your tight end to plug and play for bye weeks or best ball if you're building three tight end rooms, I'd be completely fine with that. I would not be paying over the odds for it because we've seen that the bottom can drop out very quickly on Mike Gesicki. But comparing him with somebody on this list, somebody like Hayden Hurst, who when he doesn't score touchdowns has zero value or the likes of Austin Hooper or Robert Tonyan, who flashed for a season at a time and then had no value, I'd take Gesicki over them any day. Yeah, I, I, I completely get that and I, I don't disagree. The, the other player I think on this list that I'm – slightly intrigued by and this is only in the deepest of deep dynasty leagues is Foster Moreau and I think that's a guy that's you know flashed at times on the Raiders he he had his opportunity with Darren Moller on the shelf for a lot of last year and didn't really take it but I think he's shown enough over the last four years in limited work behind Darren Moller that I do wonder if he can carve out a slightly bigger role I think there could be some fancy value there and I'm I'm there's a lot of qualifiers in there because I'm not feeling exactly uh, definitely committed to it, but I think there could be something in there. 
Yeah, he was somebody that I was kind of hoping that if the Raiders were looking to move on from Darren Waller, that they might have retained Foster Moreau and that would have been a very easy one to just project forward because we saw what it looked like with Foster Moreau last year when Darren Waller wasn't in the lineup. Yeah, and then the, the final guy, Dalton Schultz, not been tagged by Dallas, doesn't look like they're interested particularly in, in signing him to a long-term deal. He's had two top 12 finishes. He was fourth in 2021 in terms of most points scored. It feels like his value could be anywhere. If he lands in a good home, he could be an absolute steal at his current prices. If he lands in a big, bad place, it's massively overvalued. What What do you think of Dalton Schultz? What are you doing with him right now? Yeah, it's very much a landing spot dependent one for me. I think yeah, we've kind of seen over the last three years, his career touches have been 56, 75 and 53. So that 2021 year really was the outlier and he kind of ran pure there. He had his most touchdowns in that season. So really, you know, when you break that down, the sort of like 56 and 53 touches a year, those year is you're getting, what's that? It's like three catches per game on average. And if Dalton Schultz is doing things like three catches for 40 yards, that's still, it's not very good in PPR form once you're talking seven points. So you want those touchdowns and he's never been prolific. I mean, five, six touchdowns a year is okay at the position, but you really want guys who are able to get 10, 12. I think in terms of landing spots, there are good landing spots out there. Like we also already mentioned the LA Chargers for uh, Mike Gesicki. But the obvious connection there is Kellen Moore, the former Cowboys offensive coordinator who's now in LA. Or you could look at somewhere like the Washington Commanders. Eric Bieniemy, he's the new offensive coordinator. We've seen how much success he had with a good tight end in Kansas City over the last few years. And I'm not saying Dalton Schultz is Travis Kelsey. But if you're bringing in a good tight end who can be a reliable pass catcher, then I think Dalton Schultz could absolutely have top eight tight end value. Yeah, absolutely. I think my concern is that the history of free agent tight ends is awful. And I think that the tight end position is such a team-dependent position more than any other position in fantasy. And I think that it's really difficult to project a player moving to a new home. You know, you've just got to look at Austin Hooper. He was an elite fantasy tight end in Atlanta, got paid huge amounts to go to Cleveland and has never been heard from again from a fantasy perspective. And and that's my concern with someone like Dalton Schultz. For me in Dynasty, I'm basically as soon as he signs a big contract, I'm selling. And I'm happy if he then continues to be really good in the new home or whatever. But I'm getting out because the history of free agent tight ends is is poor. And that brings us to the end of the free agency frenzy episode. Whilst you're here, give us the thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribing. We're going to have more videos coming over the couple of weeks as we're in free agency, breaking down the latest moves and the contracts and things. Huge amounts come in. Dynasty, best ball, redraft, DFS. Make sure you're subscribing so you don't, don't miss it. 